Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the podcast, and I get to say that in absolute all earnestness for you Colorado Rockies fans out there today because after a very disappointing schwep at the hands of the Cleveland Guardians, the Rockies do a little bit of schwepping themselves. I promise I'll stop saying it like that. The Rockies sweep the San Diego Padres in a three-game weekend set at Coors Field. Has their season been saved? Not necessarily, but that's not what we're really here to talk about. Look, the Rockies are now seven games under five hundred. Plenty of time to play. They could solve the season. They could not solve the season. But this was some good baseball to watch. And I wrote today, and I hope you all go check it out on milehighsports.com, about the way the Rockies have handled the Padres over the last couple of seasons. And it tickles me to no end. That's right, I said it. It tickles me. Because the, the, this Padres team was supposed to be world beaters. They're supposed to be a dynasty. And look, they may end up winning. They could even end up winning the NL West this year. Right? I still think it'll be the Dodgers. Could still be the Giants. What a division that the Rockies very unfortunately play in. Uh, Don't worry, another time I will revisit my conversation on how the Rockies play in the wrong division and should be moved to another one. But as it is, you've got these three powerhouse teams in the NL West, and the Rockies have generally struggled against all three of them. Now, historically, definitely the Padres, or I'm sorry, excuse me, not the Padres. I'm going to get back to that. The Giants and the Dodgers. The Dodgers... Well, they're the Dodgers. They have all the money. They have all the resources. They should honestly have more World Series championships than they do. But it is what it is. The Giants, an entirely different and more nuanced and interesting conversation. But they, of course, had three World Series championships in the last decade. They do have resources. And they're off to quite the start this year as well. But the the Padres are right there in between them. Splitting the difference. They are second in the division. They are supposed to be, and by the numbers have been, good. 41 and 25 after this set. Well, going into the set, sorry. After the set, where are they at? 41 27. Because you see your Colorado Rockies, well, they swept them. Now, I don't know what this thing is. Again, I wrote about it. Today, I just published it a few moments from hitting record on this, so you may have read one and then listened or listened and then read, but this has been three or four years in the making now that the Rockies have had the Padres number, the same way the Giants have had the Rockies number, right? Just haven't been able to come up with a win against those guys. The Rockies are now starting to really become a thorn in the side of these Padres, and You know, sometimes in life, you've got to take solace in the little things. I know I'm here talking to overwhelmingly Rockies fans, and this is probably not going to be a season where your team makes it to meaningful October baseball. I'm sorry to say. You've heard me say it before. It was my prediction coming in, and based on how they've played, I think that will continue to be the case. So what do you watch for, right? I was on uh, with our guys recently over at uh, Mile High Sports on Sundays, And they were asking me about 
you know, what do I watch this team for? And I can always run through the young players who are exciting and, oh, Brendan Rodgers is coming into his own and let's see if Ryan McMahon can finally become that star player. And, hey, we're still seeing some pretty great things out of Kyle Freeland and this has been the one big disappointing stretch in Herman Marquez's career. So let's see if he can recover. But there are also these things, right? Sports is a competitive, silly, nonsensical thing. And I do try to avoid as much as I can, especially on social media, the spats. The little dumb fights over, oh yeah, your team did this, well my team did that. But there's got to be some level at which Rockies fans, who have had very little to cheer for since the back-to-back postseason appearances in 17 and 18, very little to cheer for have you had. But you can sit there and look at, it doesn't have to be Padres fans or the Padres themselves necessarily. But that's one thing you've got, isn't it? That your club seems to continue to frustrate the hell out of these guys. And they were supposed to be a dynasty. In the 2020 campaign, after the Padres picked up Fernando Tatis Jr. and they ended up getting Manny Machado and all this stuff came through. Then they went out in the offseason thereafter and they started picking up guys like Blake Snell and Mike Clevenger and a lot of the analysts, a lot of people who have essentially the same job that I do, maybe more nationally, maybe locally for other teams, but essentially the same job that I do. Went around telling you that This division belongs to the Dodgers and the Padres for the next 10 years and everybody else better start thinking about what happens after that. Now look, could still happen for the Padres. Could still be the case that they are the new bullies of the division and it's not the Dodgers, though that throne remains theirs. And... (laughs) Come for it. Absolutely. You know, the Giants just got them last year right up until the postseason. Right? So on some level, everybody who doesn't win the World Series is looking at the little things throughout the season that they did win. The little things you can, you know, what what are the phrases? Hang your hat on. (laughs) I love cliches like that. And right now, at seven games under 500, there's not a lot that the Rockies can hang their hat on. And very sadly and unfortunately, some of the things they can have gone away. Tyler Kinley was one of those things, and now he's out for the rest of the season. And that is deeply, deeply frustrating and disappointing. But what are the things that they can hang their hat on over the last three years that are legit? Now, again, I I know this doesn't speak to every Rockies fan out there because you don't necessarily care if you're messing up somebody else's day. You you just want to have a good day yourself, right? I get that. I appreciate that. Um, I'm there when it comes to most things in life, right? I don't need to mess up somebody else's day. That actually sounds kind of cruel. But it's sports. It's competitive. It is that thing. And when you go back 
and look at the last couple of years, the Rockies have really messed up the Padres' day, and it's kind of hilarious. Like, they shouldn't be able to beat these guys, and they shouldn't be able to beat them as consistently as they have, but three years in a row, the Padres are the team that the Rockies have managed to beat the most. And they're continuing it now, going into this season, sitting at 5-2 and two on the season. The 10-4 to four victory in Game 1 comes behind a, I'm, I'm going to call it a Coors Field quality start from Kyle Freeland. I've made that designation before, but it's been a little while. So if those of you who've only listened to the Mile High Sports Podcast here at 20th and Blake aren't familiar with it, of course, a quality start is six runs, or excuse me, six runs. That was, That's not a quality start at all. It's six innings and three earned runs or less. And at Coors Field, I feel like if you give up one more run and or go one more inning, you've still had yourself a quality start. So Freeland going seven, giving up four, technically doesn't qualify as a quality start, but I'm giving him one. I'm giving him the Coors Field quality start. And again, it gets to the point, right? Which is that your starter has got to give you some length and has got to keep the team under an absurd run total in order to keep you in the game. And considering the fact that the Rockies had the lead when he went out anyway, I definitely got to give Kyle the quality start in that one, even though technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. But game one, they get the 10 to four win. Thanks in large part to a five RBI night from CJ Crone gets three hits, gets two homers. I was down in the press box for this one. The second one he hit, I let out a big, loud, oh my goodness. And I've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, Those of you that don't know the kind of tone or whatever the rules of the press box, there's no cheering. Obviously, you don't get excited or, or cheer when someone does something. But sometimes you do remark on a, you know, if a guy makes a remarkable defensive play, you go, holy shit, or whatever. That kind of thing happens in the press box semi-regularly. And you can hear the the sort of air get sucked out of the room on CJ's second homer that almost made the concourse in left field. Boy, was that an impressive shot. CJ ends up with eight RBI in the series, probably the MVP of the series. But you also got to give a little bit of a tip to Randall Gritchick, who also had three RBI in that game. He had three RBI in the sweeping clincher today on Sunday afternoon. Hit a couple of big homers. And as we were joking around about in my Discord channel, apparently I need to do these podcasts a little bit more often where I go in on the Rockies offense for not hitting for power because they finally came out in this weekend series against the Padres and hit for some freaking power. As I mentioned, the Crone homers there in game one, plus Gritchick in game two. You get another homer from Crone, who's at 17 on the season. Blackman hits his 11th of the year. A big, important shot in that one. And then the game winner ends up being a home run from uh, Ryan McMahon, his fifth of the season. Still looking for him to get hot with the power, but that was a big, big, important clutch blast in the bottom of the eighth 
one inning before it could be a walk-off. So, you know, a little bit of tough luck there for Ryan. But in a 4-4 game where the Rockies had made sure to come back and again support didn't get the quality start out of Marquez. He falls an inning short, so he goes the other way of the Coors Field quality start, right? Can't get to six innings, can't hold it under three runs, but goes five and four. So, I don't know. Next best thing? Still, ah, folks, I'm still frustrated with Marquez. I'm still frustrated with his approach. I'm still frustrated with his delivery. I'm still frustrated with his pitch selection and we can dive even deeper on this in the future and I feel like we've talked about Marquez a lot and it's because he's an important player right he's a key figure in this whole situation and he's supposed to be dynamically the team's best pitcher he's supposed to have the best stuff he's supposed to have the best strikeout stuff and in this game we get seven strikeouts we get two walks But we get eight hits and four earned runs in five innings. And he can't even go the full sixth. And again, he forces Bud Black to go to the bullpen and get two innings out of Chassin. But Chassin does the job. No runs given up. Colome, no runs given up. Bard gets his 14th save of the season in game two. A 5-4 victory. Getting out hit by San Diego. 10-9 but still winning the game. Now, this was a good one. This was the most impressive win that the Rockies have had in a little bit. Again, the three RBI from McMahon, the two ribbies from Blackman and Crone, and that's it. Other than that, you just get the defense with no mistakes, the pitching with no big mistakes. Marquez has got to lock it in. But beyond that, okay, You'll take that W every time. And then, Sunday, they just thwacked him. I think that this was what Bill Schmidt had in mind, and it just has only played out a handful of times, right? You can go right down the line. Senzatella, six innings pitched, one run given up, three strikeouts, two walks, Six hits, quality start. There it is. Of course, guys are going to get hits at Coors Field. Of course, you know, he doesn't want to walk anybody. The two walks, it had been a, it had been a minute since Senzatella had done that. But still, you build that, and then, sure, Stevenson gives up the couple of runs on the Austin Nola homer. Frustrating to see, and I still want to see Robert Stevenson lock it in because they need another reliever in the absence of Tyler Kinley. If they're going to save this thing in seven under, it's not beyond saving, folks. I get it. I, I hear the people out there saying, look, it's not likely. It's still not. It's going to be interesting now to see what happens as they go off to Miami and Minnesota and then return home against L.A., if they're still comfortably under 500 going into July, I wrote about it. I've talked about it. I'm I'm all for starting to sell and and handing playing time over to the younger guys and all of it, all of it, because I don't think that one way or another. I never thought this was a potentially division winning team. I never thought this was a potentially World Series winning team. But I do think that they've got some interesting things going on here, and I'd like to see them continue to develop them. <laughs> 
But I love, I, I can't even lie. I just can't stop. Sometimes in life, folks, you got to step back and appreciate the little things, right? We don't get a lot of W's just as people. If you're a Rockies fan, especially out there, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I hear you. I feel you. I feel your pain. Messing up the Padres season a little bit or their dynasty a little bit may not seem that great to you. But I assure you in the grand scheme of things, it is epically hilarious. Because being a dynasty is a lot more than being good on paper. Baseball is fundamentally and across the board and for 150 years brutal painful almost impossible to be dominant and so when people had declared these padres the kings of the nl west long before they had accomplished a single thing I remember finding it hilarious, and I do to this day, as the Rockies continue to handle this club and almost nobody else. Now, it is perplexing. Why? Why can you beat the Padres and not the Royals, the Pirates, the Nationals, and coming up maybe here, the Marlins and the Twins? How? Somebody sent me, I think it was uh, Lori or Deborah sent me this tweet today. How do you get swept by a mediocre, at best, Cleveland team who's in your park and then turn around and do this to the Padres? My friends, I do not have an answer for you except that right now, the Rockies have got the Padres' number. Now imagine for a moment, don't worry, I'll let you out of this nightmare in just a few seconds. Imagine for a moment that you are a San Diego Padres fan. Now did you know the Padres are one of just a handful of teams that actually have a worse overall record in their entire history than the Rockies? Which is especially bad when you consider that they've existed for much longer. So they have been dealing with their ineptitude and their futility for far longer than Rockies fans. And now you were in this era, this moment of time, when you were supposed to be the real deal. And quite frankly, for the third year running, the Padres might have been the real deal if only they could figure out a way to beat your Colorado Rockies. Baseball remains epically hilarious. I know there's not much solace to give you in a season like this, I'm hoping we get to see a little bit of Chris Bryant when we get to Minnesota. Who knows, like I said, season ain't over. Lots of games to play, lots of fun to happen. Remember where the Nationals were at at this point in their season when they won the World Series, those of you that are hopefuls. But those of you who are looking the other way, there's plenty of young guys to play and 
veterans to trade if they choose to go that route. For now, let's live the day-to-day. Appreciate the small things. And one of the small things, and in fact, for me, right now in this exact moment in time, the single most hilarious small thing is that these Rockies keep beating the Padres. The Padres are supposed to be and might be the new class of the NL West. They haven't toppled the Dodgers yet. They got a fun group. And there's a part of me that roots for some of these guys. Like, I really do like, especially Fernando Tatis Jr., who's not playing right now. And I don't root for the Dodgers and Giants. I simply recognize that The Padres are now trying to do the same thing that the Rockies have done in their years where they've been good, right? Think back to 17 and 18 or 2007, 2009. It is, in the immortal words of 3-6 Mafia, hard out here for a pimp. (laughs) Sorry, but it's just... It is what it is. You know, Rockies come up with this very solid 8-3 win on Sunday. Have they saved their season? Well, we'll find that out in weeks and months ahead. I, I suspect probably not. But will they continue to be a thorn in the side of the San Diego Padres and maybe mess up their season a little bit? I can take that win. The guys on the team, I know I always ask guys about this, like moral victories or playing spoiler. And they always say, Bud Black doesn't care at all about playing spoiler. And that's fine. He doesn't have to. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) So let me know what you think. Join me in the Discord or out on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. Hit up the Facebook pages and all that good stuff from MileHighSports.com. Check out all the written content there. Check out all the other podcasts on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribed here to 20th and Blake. And other than that, I can only ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.